0: We are the unfairer sex, four women, four glasses of wine and a whole world of problems to navigate. Yes, there's going to be some rage, but there's also going to be a hell of a lot of laughing, learning, catharsis and camaraderie along the way. So grab a glass of wine and join us. But before we jump into this week's topic, which is the wonderful world of periods, we do have a sorry, what did you say moment we'd love to share from a listener.
1: So my example, there were so many parts to it. It was basically a really bad date when I went on this week. Um, it was sort of the last minute he messaged and said, oh, you look nice, should we go for a drink on Thursday? And I was like, oh, I'm free. Fuck it, let's just go. Let's just see how it goes. So went on the date and basically, I mean, where do I start? He, His ex, uh, they actually were together for quite a while. They got pregnant but ended up losing the, the child before it was born. Um, and so... He said, well, she earned more than me, but no, of course I wasn't going to quit my job. I'm not going to quit my job and be a stay-at-home dad. What's that for my pride? And I was like, but she earned more than you, surely logically, and if she wanted to work... No, no, she can carry on working if she really wants to, but we'd get a nanny. And I was like, this is just ridiculous. He then told me how he'd been on a few dates recently and the girls had been much fatter than their pictures. And that was an issue for him. And I was like, wow, okay." And I said, well, what if, like... So you have an issue with weight? He went, well, of course, you know, you need to look after yourself. You need to take care of yourself. And I said, well, why does your weight suggest that you don't look after yourself? You might just do it in different ways. What if you've, what if your partner has has had your baby and they've got a bit of, you know, carrying a bit of weight after the birth? And he said, well, we'd get up at six and we'd work out together. And, um, and then... And then I'd, you know, work out with her. Then she'd get in shape in no time. And I was like, it's not quite as simple as that. But also, if you're getting up at six every day, what if you're knackered by 9pm and you just need to go to bed and you don't actually have a relationship? Oh, no, no, that's fine, because we'll go to bed together at nine o'clock and have great sex. We'll be in such great shape. That would be amazing sex. And then we'll go to bed. And I was like, you are one bizarre man. Um, So I think that was the point I said. By the way, this isn't going to go any further, just so you're clear. Um... And then I continued to just prod and pry because I was fascinated by how someone can have such old fashioned views. And he said, oh, well, you know, I want to meet someone that's um, really, really ambitious and driven and in shape and works hard, um, but doesn't have the same modern day values as you because, you know, I'd still want the, I still want her to, you know, just, we do kind things for each other. And I was like, I don't understand where you're going with this. You want someone driven, but also someone who just bows down to you. Um, very strange i said well good luck with it it's finding a unicorn but you know persist because there might be someone out there with feminist views who's happy to like shine your shoes and warm your slippers on the radiator before you get in but good luck with that
2: so you know there is nothing wrong with doing nice things for each other and so i'm just going with the very last bit nothing wrong with warming someone's slippers if they warm yours too Uh, There is nothing nicer than a partner who puts your pants on the the radiator. So you've got nice radiator pants. However, it just sounds like this guy is an utter knobhead and expects way too much. And I just pulled up a a housekeeping monthly uh, article from 1955 that's like the good wife's guide and it is things like have dinner ready why don't you put a bow in your hair like make sure the kids are out of the way your man has been working hard and doesn't need you doesn't need you or the children to talk to him and it's it's just don't give him complaints um and it sounds very much like he wants that but also yeah wants his wife or partner to no definitely wife i don't think he'd have a partner um to uh yeah earn lots of money and be super hot because of course if you're working hard and you've had children and you're doing all the housework you've definitely got time to go to the gym and be thin and have sex every night and have sex Um, every night
3: i mean the thing is what i love here is that what makes him think that if this woman exists she'd have any interest in him
1: (laughs) oh i love that
3: (laughs) that's that's the bit i love oh, oh I yeah. yeah i just actually looked twice at you th- th- i mean this
0: is a brilliant sorry what did you say moment and i just i really love the fact the listener questioned him on the spot and just asked him to explain his re- like his reason and where it came from like what his like why he, he had these views and uh, you know that does i mean it's the first date so what have you got to lose and by a sounds of things <laughs> she's walked the right way which is away from him um but I just I really love the fact that you like they chose to question him in that moment because actually sometimes what I found is it was when people do say stuff, actually the best time to talk about it is when it's happened because I think that it enables you to go, okay, what you just said isn't isn't okay or that's made me feel uncomfortable or you know, let's just kind of take a moment to break that down. So yeah, I, I am thrilled that you took the time to prod and break this person.
2: I think um, it's quite brave um to actually to say, I'm not good with this actually. Um, And I'm sure there are lots and lots of people who go through an entire date who hated every second, knew from the moment they started speaking to the person that this wasn't going to work, but thought, oh, God, I've got to be polite. I've got to, like, not say anything or upset them. I have recently ventured into dating and I had a horrific date uh, where, for starters, I feel like I um, I should have known because the guy was called Rick and I think I have a problem with that from from the off um so sorry all the ricks if there are ricks that listen i don't think rick is a real name is it um anyway he ordered one he (laughs) he he ordered a voddy and coke um which i have a like how hard is it no no you should have walked out immediately should have right (laughs) um but then um i also uh i he the the woman came to the table the waitress came to the table and I um went to order and I I'd said what I was going to have but he ordered for me and that felt a bit strange like it wasn't that he was ordering for me and picking my meal but he was he said oh she'll have and I was like "Mm, mm, mm, mm. no not happening but I stuck to the date and carried on because I didn't want to say anything Although that just shows me internet dating is not for me. I'm out.
4: And how was it after going on a date with someone whose name you didn't like and whose initial order you didn't like?
2: Did you have an amazing time? No. And I've decided internet dating is not for me. It's not happening. But yeah, so I do think it was very brave of her to actually say something. I I do love that she turned it from a date into a research expedition into the male psyche. (laughs) absolutely a hundred
0: percent I also um the weight thing is a real issue for me in the sense that again I I really like the fact that she tried to deconstruct that and you know she was using examples of everyday people to be like okay well you've just said that you weight's an issue for you and what I loved of her saying is well why do you think that weight Shows that someone isn't looking after themselves. And I think there's been a huge wave of people who have done so much to destigmatize that. And there's um, I follow a, a couple of yogis on Instagram and you know, quite larger women who are just doing the most incredible things with their bodies. And they're just saying, you know, just because I am the size I am, it doesn't mean I can't move in the way that the society dictates I can't move. And so what was super interesting, and, and I just love the fact that she kind of said, Well, you know. Why does that dictate? Why does weight dictate that I don't look after myself? Um, and also, fuck you. Like, it's not up to a woman to maintain a weight just to fit your fantasy in your head of a woman who's shining your shoes and, you know, is higher than, but probably not higher than enough or more than you and has a nanny in the corner because your, your pride's going to be, you know, tarnished because it, in that sense, you don't want to stay at home.
4: I appreciate uh, his comments about wanting pictures to be kind of accurate, or at least especially online dating, wanting it to be accurate in the same way yeah. that as a result, I would expect him to say, my name is Rick. I'm a chauvinist pig and I'm available on Tuesday and Wednesday evenings to take you out to dinner in order for you. Just be accurate. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, so I was just going to say on the white thing, I mean, Look, there, 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 there is the truth of what people are attracted to, right? You know, you, you, we all find here certain things attractive and some people find people who are in shape attractive. That said, when you're an adult, there's also a lot more that goes into attraction than just physical appearance. But let's not pretend that physical appearance isn't part of it. I think the difference is that when you've been with someone for a while, and when you actually genuinely love them and you're committed to them, weight and physical appearance become far less relevant. And it doesn't mean that you don't support your partner in being healthy. You know, I've had lots of friends, couples who you know, one of them has you know battles with their weight or, or that sort of thing from you know from a health perspective, and so they together help that member of the of the uh, couple get healthy so i think you know that that's not an issue in itself to me but it's the it's the juvenile uh mentality that the way he approached it and what matters to him um what it discloses i guess is the bit that that i take issue with and i'm just curious too whether this this chap who earned less than his partner and uh in many parts of the world and certainly in the uk it's the case that often um you know and often it's the woman who earns less but certainly not in every relationship but often basically one party is working just to pay for the childcare, and so i'm just curious also whether it would have been his salary that went to the childcare, or whether it all you know in his world view it should have been her salary that went towards the the child that's
0: so true yeah it's um it was actually really interesting. Something popped up um earlier this week and it was a study done by the University of Bath and it actually showed that working mothers who earn who out-earn their, their partners actually end up picking up more of the housework. And for me that's just remarkable. And, and the study kind of went on to say a lot of that comes down to this idea that earning more than your partner is emasculating. Um and so women then feel the need to do something more feminine, uh, assumed feminine which would be something like housework or chores or um like childcare. there's
3: and nothing more feminine than now uh, being hot and sweaty because you've been vacuuming for two hours right it,
0: well exactly wow. but you've got to do it before nine o'clock oh my because... God, having uh... it, you've
2: got to have the amazing sex you've got to have yeah. the amazing sex at nine o'clock so you yeah. come home from work you make the dinner you shine your shoes don't
0: forget there's a baby there's a baby in this somewhere right
2: exactly you know but
3: that's not going to wake up in the night don't you worry about that nope. that's going to be nope. fine Ready for the six
2: AM workout? So you'll get
3: you, you know you'll get you'll get at least seven hours sleep after your amazing sex. Exactly for your
2: six AM workout. <laughs> and even even if they exist, yeah, who says that they're gonna want you? Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of upset that we didn't find out like what he'd put on his profile, what he looked like, um, you know, what he was selling of him. Like, why is he so great that this woman he deserves that woman? Oh, he told her. You- he told her she looked pretty before the date and
0: said so they should go out for a drink. Yeah. Fuck me. I mean, is that not all a woman wants?
3: This is just a man child, you know. You can see there's just a great deal of immaturity there. I have to say, though, oh, having read some of the... Yeah. I mean, that so many of the people who are hating on Amber Heard and loving on Johnny Depp right now are women. And it just makes me so sad and ashamed when I read their pick me comments. So, you know, there's probably just as many disappointing women out there as as there are, you know, as this immature little boy. There's a lot of women who have a lot to answer for as well. Em's M's hot take. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> we'll put that as a segment. M's hot take every week. Oh, I love this. M's hot take. Something really candid <laughs> and horrific about what's going on.
0: By the way, just a quick point on the um So I don't take a- I don't actually take issue with him not wanting to stay at home because I think It's a reverse, isn't it? Because what we're arguing as well is that women shouldn't feel that they should stay at home if they're the lower earner. And as we've spoken about, more often than not, they are the lower earner. And I believe it was Sheryl Sandberg who raised a really decent point. And it was actually if you take out the lower earner, they're probably the one most likely sometimes in some of the roles most likely to um, have career progression with over that year. Whereas actually, if you're at the top of your your bracket the chances are actually in that year, you probably won't progress as much. And so if you take out the lower earner, that person actually going to slow down on the progression. If you take out the higher earner and the lower earner goes back in, actually over the year, their value to the company will have grown. And so actually when you both then re-enter as a family unit, you do better off. I think it was something like that was her argument.
3: I mean, it really depends, right? Like if one of you is there a teacher or a nurse, when you really don't see pay rises in your career that are worth writing home about and one of you is, absolutely, uh, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, you know. But I do agree that that shouldn't just be the way that you make the decision. It's not just default that the part, the part he who earns less is the one who has to, you know, and, and there's all sorts of things. Why does it need to be one parent? You know, I saw, um, I've seen lots of arrangements where both parents work three days or four days a week. Um, you know, and they, sh- and they both have a day off and then the kids go to daycare three days a week or, or whatever, um, And but they, they decide it between them. And I think that's the point, that it should be that you as a partnership work out what's best for each of you in terms of what you want and also what's best for you and your family and supporting your partner.
2: I think it kind of goes back a little bit to the to the wedding episode around assumptions, like it certain things are assumed. And I think one of those things that is generally assumed is that a man will go back to work and the woman will stay at home. I, I think
4: everyone's right to a certain extent. I don't think there is any one hard and fast rule. I think what Cheryl Sandberg was really trying to do when she introduced that was to try and eschew that, well, you're the lower earner, which is typically the woman, and so you you're pro- you are the best person to take that time off. You should stay at home while the higher earner, which is typically the male, goes back to work. And I think she was trying to change that rhetoric by saying, well, that's not always the most logical thing to do. But I think it completely depends on the dynamic of the relationship. Of course, what you want your child to look like and, w- and also what your job is and made a great point just now of saying, you know, if you're a lawyer, for example. And so I think <clears throat> if you are a barrister, I do think the bar is one of the most accessible places, although I know people would disagree. And um, one of the most accessible places for women who are looking to have a child, particularly the self-employed bar, because the law tends to be something that moves quite slowly um but the only issue is obviously you might lose your contacts but in terms of things having moved on from a year ago that's not necessarily the case in law it might just be that you that you lose some of your contacts but you know, people just need to start understanding that
3: that's a really good point i remember talking to one of my friends who was a postdoctoral scientist and now she's moved into she's at a university but helping them commercialize um you know discoveries and that sort of thing and she said to me that, like, even in her field, you know, if you take nine months or a year out, the, the, the knowledge, you know, the, the the research and everything moves so quickly that you can be really out of touch. And also someone I remember talking to someone once, and apparently Egypt, Egyptology is another area where I thought, you know, we already knew all there was no, but apparently Egyptology moves tremendously quickly. Really? And if you're going to be out for six months, you know, that's it. You might as well find a new career. I oh, Don't hold me to it. But I definitely had a conversation once where someone told me that.
2: <laughs> that's
4: amazing. I love the idea. That's I love brilliant. that. That's I, I want to know what the version of Egyptology is for that, I'd say, last century. I just, I just want to yeah, know what yeah. is changing from week to week. That's brilliant exactly <laughs> it's the
3: hieroglyphics maybe it's just there's still you know so much to know oh i would just and this is this is a this is an aside you know but i just also reflect on the fact that it's that it's so often the woman who is the lower earner you know and that in itself just speaks volumes about the inequality in our society because yeah and yeah this is a whole another episode right but but it's no coincidence that the field's that women traditionally go into are paid less. And then also the fields that even traditionally men go into women, women go into them. They're generally paid less than the man beside them. So anyway, that's, that's another, that's a topic for another day. But, um,
0: well, thank you, listener. We sorry you had a shit date. We love the fact you turned it into a research party instead um, for, well, now our benefit. So thank you very much. Uh, we hope the next date goes better and you meet a less misogynistic ask, And maybe
3: um maybe flick him a link to this episode and maybe it'll help him to grow as an individual.
2: Um, OK, so today we are talking periods. And as Ellie said, the wonderful world of periods. Uh, there is a huge amount that we could cover and we might go off on various tangents. If we don't cover everything, and we surely, surely won't, we will definitely come back to it at a later date. Uh, My plan is that we're going to try and touch on education, periods in media and adverts, period poverty and period tax as a coupled thing, as well as what good things are going on and are being done in workplaces and beyond to support women in relation to their periods at any stage of their life. So I hope I don't have to spell this out, but I'm just going to give you a quick overview of what a period is. So menstruation is the process in which the uterus sheds blood and tissue through the vagina. There is this is a natural and healthy process for girls and women of reproductive age in Western communities. This is often called the period. It's called various other things uh, across the world, as well as a whole range of uh, euphemisms that we tend to use. It typically lasts between two and five days, but this varies by individual. And I'm sure amongst all of us, we have got varying uh, cycles. 26% 26% of the world are of menstruation age. Uh periods uh are stigmatized all over the world despite the fact that almost 50% of the world will likely menstruate for a large proportion of their life. And when I say a large proportion uh it's about 7 years that we that we have periods for which is just like seven constant years. And that's that's wow. a lot right. <laughs> um Uh, At any given time, 800 million women and youth worldwide are on their period. So why do we continue to feel embarrassed, have women and girls who are not fully educated about their periods in reproductive system and bizarre euphemisms and taboos around periods? I'm just going to do a very, very quick history of some of the weird shit that has made periods are taboo so we do seem to be carrying some ancient beliefs about menstruation and its impurities from the beliefs from roman times that a woman on the period period could spoil crops and kill bees uh medieval european myths that p- periods were a contaminant to the british medical journal announcing in 1878 that quote it is a very prevalent belief amongst females, both rich and poor that in curing hams women should not rub the legs of pork with the brine of the pickle at the time they are menstruating because it will damage the ham <laughs> so how the ham. they come to that conclusion
4: who's decided who that was case? Nice?
2: and how, I mean, it... how are you treating your hands stop rubbing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean who knows are our hands more i don't know irony when we're on our period and therefore they're like yeah it's definitely gonna get into the get into the ham
0: but also when when did the comfortableness of a woman like be outranked by a slab of meat (laughs) like when did that like (laughs) well i love Uh, the idea
4: of talking about all of my failures as being simply due to the fact that i was on my period
2: (laughs) and everyone else's failures take it if you have a bad day it's because i'm on my period and actually if you ever cook a bad meal check where you are in the in in your month like is it because you're on is it because you <laughs> do on? uh like yeah. <laughs> you... sorry we can't have ham egg and chips tonight not, it's, not, not an option. It's, it's,
3: it's probably actually because you know you went to make the meal and you were like fuck this I'm going to sit on the couch with a block of chocolate at the last <laughs>
2: <month."> <laughs> Oh, dear. So oh. those on their period have throughout history and in the present day been ostracised, regarded as unclean and forbidden from access to areas as diverse as religious institutions and their own households. Period taboos continue to have strongholds worldwide. Uh, for instance, in parts of Nepal, there is still the existence of, existence of period huts. Um they are illegal by the way. But well, they and there do was still a story happen. a few years ago about a woman who was or a girl I think who was sent out to the period hut and she died um while she was out there. It's just there's all sorts of horrible horrible stories. Um so even among our friends periods can still be embarrassing. Men often wince at the idea of periods and they're often seen as and described as being a bit icky or I don't know somehow unnatural like because uh, something wrong with them. Uh but We, at The Unfairer Sex, are here to bust some myths, share some stories, and try to make everyone listening a bit more knowledgeable about the things which so many of us go through. Uh, So, I have always been very open about my periods. This is because my mum was. She had a hysterectomy when I was very young, and as a result of that, I learned a lot about how our bodies worked. Uh, When I got my period at 13, she was prepped with towels and tampons and set me on my way, unlike my granny, who... uh, told my mum, didn't tell my mum about periods, Uh, she had her first period, was handed sanitary towels, not told what to do with them and not told what to do with them once she'd used them. Oh, how frightening. Uh, Just horrible. I wanted to say it did feel very embarrassing uh, talking to my mom about it. And there
4: wasn't a huge amount of conversation about it. Um, and I was also taken to the doctor when I was uh, about 14, because they were so heavy and so painful. And like I say, they made me feel faint and they just bled through everything that I was wearing. It was, it was embarrassing all the time. And the doctor said, yeah, we can absolutely sort this out. She, the contraceptive pill is the thing that she'll go on and it will make them regular, it will make them lighter. And that's probably the best thing for her at the moment. And my mum was absolutely adamant that it wasn't going to happen because she just disliked the idea of a 14-year-old girl, her daughter, a 14-year-old girl, being on the contraceptive pill. And in retrospect, I wish she had been a bit more focused on my comfort and trying to ease my chronic pain than worried about how it looks to people who, who, who wouldn't even find out. It was just some old fashioned things. And then conversely, um, when I was a little bit older, still in my teens though, I was sitting one evening on a cream sofa that we had, and yes you guessed it um i got up to go to bed after everyone else had gone to bed and i realized that i had fled through onto the cream safer and i tried my darndest um to get this stain off and it just wasn't possible and it looked awful you know in mr bean where he's trying to get the get the painting off the whistler it was oh, yeah I yeah and it just i just ended up smearing i <laughs> just it was horrible i was like oh no um <laughs> and I, I I, felt I really struggled to sleep and I felt humiliated and I tried to put the cushions the other way around but they just had some weird mesh thing on the back so I couldn't and when I came up in the morning when I came down um, from the bedroom in the morning my dad came up to me and gave me a massive hug and he said I saw this this morning and I knew exactly Aww. what had happened how are you feeling are you okay and it was yeah I'm I know I don't give my dad enough kudos but he uh he did come up trumps for me then so
0: What's really interesting, um, Anne-Marie, was the fact that your mum's head went straight to like, my daughter's now going to start having sex because she's going on the pill. Well, actually, my first introduction to the pill was a best mate of mine who got told to go on it to help with her acne. And so for me, that's what I related it to until much later on. So I I wasn't on the pill until my early 20s, but I started having sex when I was 17, 18. Um, So I was using condoms, right? For me, I just hadn't associated the pill really um, with that. So, yeah, I just when you were saying that immediately, I was just like, well, you know, actually, for me, the pill wasn't introduced to me like that. It was introduced to me as, as a way of helping women through hormonal flare ups or, or things that happen because of your hormones, not necessarily because of sex. That kind of was a secondary thing.
3: That's why I went on it when I was 15, because I had really bad cystic acne. Um, and it was just it was one of the many things that. That I took and applied to my skin.
2: So, as we know, um, period products are not cheap, and women go through a lot of them. And there are a lot of people who have who, who suffer from period pro- pro- po- bleh, who suffer from period poverty. About half of schools in low-income countries lack adequate drinking water, sanitation and hygiene, uh, which is crucial for girls and female teachers to manage their period. Um, Inadequate facilities can affect girls' experiences at school and cause them to miss school during their period. Um, Bodyform did a survey which showed that in the UK, one in ten girls can't afford to buy menstrual products, while one in seven have struggled to afford them. Um, 49% of girls have missed a day of school during their period, um, and around uh, 38,000 girls a year in the UK miss school because of period poverty. Um, there are calls to have sanitary items made available for free in schools, um, but the, that hasn't really happened. Some schools do it automatically. Obviously, there are. there's also a bit of an issue around that, that it depends how that those products are given out Um, would a girl have to see their teacher or a nurse or someone else and would they feel comfortable going to them um i know that certainly some of my friends at school wouldn't have been and and might have got worried about that um and there are also many organizations that uh do provide free sanitary products lots of the um uh companies that sell tampons and sanitary towels do give them to charities as well i think there's well we all know there's a lot of problems in that area there's people will say well why don't you buy uh, reusable like sanitary knickers but they are very expensive which means you have to have that initial like buy in, um, but then there's also a bit of a. There was this nonsense thing that was posted on Twitter about how by this by some guy mansplaining that period products aren't that expensive, and he he put he put down that the average period is between ten and thirty five mils of blood. Each tampon holds five mils, so seven tampons a cycle. So anyone who uh, has had a period, I'm pretty sure knows it's more than seven. It says seven tampons a cycle. Let's be generous and say ten for those ladies with a, with an extra juicy lining, which is truly oh. gross. Nine periods a year, ninety tampons max. You can get sixty four pack on Amazon for seven pound ninety. Therefore, it's going to cost you about twenty quid a year. Stop, s- stop drinking Starbucks and stop whining. And you're just like, what is wrong with you that you that you've gone? This is perfectly, wow. this is a perfectly okay thing to say. Um, mm. so. There are a lot, as I said, there's a lot of charities and organisations who have done huge amounts to try and support women and girls who experience period p- poverty. Body Form partnered with the NHS Blue Light Scheme to support NHS front workers during, uh, to, during COVID to try and uh, get them uh, products that they couldn't afford. They also donated to, to Freedom for Girls and partners with In Kind Direct to dis- distribute products to people who needed them. So there's stuff that's being done, but clearly it's not enough.
0: Uh, Sorry, can I, like, before we move on from here, just say um, it's really, really great to hear that there are companies who are making period products accessible. What I found astounding in my research is actually how many uh, women in prisons aren't actually being catered for. And there was um, a report came out in 2021 for HMP Petersborough's Women's Jail, which houses 300 inmates. um, And they reported that female prisoners were unable to access sanitary products or experienced delays in ordering menstrual care products. Um, it actually wasn't until 2019 that the UK government changed the law. So anyone in custody who was menstruating his office sanitary products free of charge. 2019. In 2018, a Maryland bill was introduced to ensure women in US state jails and prisons receive pads and tampons at no cost. Before that, they were having to buy and there was a limit on the number they were allowed to have on their person at any one time. And in 2016, Julissa, might be her name, J-U-L-I-S-S-A, In 2016, Julissa Ferras copeland led a proposal that would make New York City the first state in the United States to give all women in public schools, prisons and homeless shelters access to feminine hygiene products free of charge. The council approved the measure with a 49 to 0 vote. Yeah, I, I feel that like obviously we're talking about everyday people but there's you know if you've got what was the stat you said earlier 800 million people menstruating daily some of these people are going to be in situations where they can't just nip down to the supermarket or very kindly order a 64 box from amazon for seven quid whatever that recommendation was um there are people who will menstruate regardless because it's nature it's part of what our body does and actually it's so vital that where we can where it's possible and absolutely is possible in today's we are in history today to make sure that people who are menstruating have access. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to flag that as part of my research, that actually more care is needed for those in prison as well.
4: I I completely agree with Ellie on the point that she's she's made about more care being needed. And I think just more uh, care and consideration is needed to period poverty, especially given the stuff that Rhiannon has just said. I mean, and the fact that governments are talking about it rather suggests that period poverty is real. And it's not because you've got someone who has more money than sense and they're just going to get Starbucks instead of, Instead of spending money on on getting sanitary products, I mean, that's it's just
2: people are choosing people are choosing to whether they're going to feed their children or buy sanitary towels. Exactly.
3: So there's there's a scene in that film I Daniel Blake, um, I think that's what it's called, which is exactly that. You know, it's a mother on welfare who is already skipping meals herself to um, feed her children, who uh, attempts to steal. I think some pads or tampons from a shop because that's the position that that mothers are put in, where you know that spending money on sanitary products. Actually, I'm like oh, fuck it. I hate that. Sorry, on period products um, is uh, they feel they feel guilty because that's money that they could otherwise spend on food, and that's a shocking position. And that's why you know with food banks and everything, and also you know so often with international donations and and yeah and i mean elsewhere in the world right it's a huge issue period poverty and period shaming um but that's why uh when you're when you're donating too many of those sorts of food drives and that sort of thing it's always um a good idea to uh also provide women's products
2: and Great. and the other thing is if, if you don't manage your period properly if you're not using and changing your sanitary towels and tampons regularly you're more likely to get a urinary tract infection not
3: just a UTI <laughs> toxic shock syndrome and this of is course. also one of the reasons why i was so scared of using pe- tampons because when i was you know 12 or whatever when i was starting to menstruate there was a 15 year old girl who died in australia because she'd left a tampon in for for too long you know so yeah. we all were um had it drilled into us that you use the lowest um what's it, level you know uh, like a ta- tampon for your flow um so you are on the side of of lighter you know you go mini if it's light or whatever rather than sticking a super up there and you change them very regularly um so that's the other thing when you were saying about this i mean this dickhead he he just he's such a dickhead that i i couldn't you
2: know be bothered couldn't even bring yourself to, it. to acknowledge it
3: <laughs> yeah but I mean, that's the thing. He's actually, you know, if if some poor woman were actually to follow his advice, seven tampons across a period. Let's say it's a five-day period, she's putting her life at risk doing yeah, that.
2: He's probably called Rick. <laughs> 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 I love it. but
4: I guess what's great that Rick has done for us is it's given us a platform to say all the things that are wrong with what he's just said so I imagine what he's done <laughs> is he's posted that ironically because he's really in favor of all of these things happening against period poverty and he just wants to start the conversation that's all it is and um, I just want to I don't don't know uh, what what we're what we're doing in terms of product placements or we're not sponsored, obviously, but um, but I just want to give a heads up to Hey Girls. Um, They are the company that I bought my menstrual cup from ages ago uh, and they are brilliant. They totally recognize uh, period poverty um, and for every menstrual cup you buy from them, they donate one to uh, someone in the UK who is suffering from uh, from period poverty. And so they give a menstrual cup to that person as well. Um, For people who are considering it, um, menstrual cups tend to hold up to 15 millilitres of of blood, essentially, um, and they need to be changed between every 10 and 12 hours. So just to give you some context in terms of the window that you're looking at and the quantity that it will take, um, it might be something that you're considering if if you're having to change your tampons regularly. Um, Anyway, that's that's my menstrual cup flag waving ceremony over.
2: So I think period poverty moves us, uh, links nicely or maybe very not nicely, uh, with tax on period products. So it wasn't until 2021 that the UK abolished, abolished tax on period products. Up until then, they were taxed as a luxury. And I'm sure we've all seen the, you know, I mean, we all know they're not a luxury. Uh, one, they are essential, but other things that are taxed as a luxury, uh, Jaffa Cakes, for instance, um, are obviously... Although I have to say, I can't live without those either. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah.
0: I wasn't stupid that you could get ostrich and that wasn't a luxury item, like ostrich meat. Condoms, condoms, condoms are, is, is the prime
2: example. So yeah. uh, it is still the case in America and in Brazil, among others, that period pro- products are taxed. Uh, so we were far behind other countries. Uh, Canada abolished it in two thousand fifteen. Australia abolished it in two thousand nineteen. But that's still way too late. Um, but yeah, as I said, seriously, whoever thought that tampons and, and period and sanitary towels are a luxury is bonkers. They are
0: called cool men. And uh, they sit in Parliament and they put these laws in fucking place because they knew it would never affect them. Although, mm. ironically, for a long time, that tax would have been coming out of their paychecks, right? Because we were kept women. So, uh, Absolutely, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> it's short, like the thing they were doing to spite us. They
2: didn't think that one through, did they? But... I mean if if our sanitary towels were plush and you know there was some like feels like down kind of sanitary towels um, then maybe we could say they were they were luxury but certainly some of the ones that I used when I was younger because we were not very well off as you said not earlier. Not luxury. Uh, were yours not made of pure silk? Sadly sadly not. Did you not have a have a gold tampon like
3: Cleopatra? <laughs> No. Uh, Cleopatra had a gold tampon. I, I don't thought... understand. Obviously, gold isn't absorbent, so I'm imagining it was actually more like a moon cup, right? But... I was about to say it's got to be a moon cup, right?
2: It's the original we
3: moon cup. One of those from our parents when we had our first period, right? Here is the. It's a beautiful rite of passage. Here is your gold moon cup.
0: I think I have a word with my parents because that <laughs> certainly did not happen with me. So uh, I want. To... They owe me a gold tampon, okay? Someone who's made gold tampons. <laughs>
2: Anyone who makes gold tampons, pre- please send four uh, to us. Um, we will. No, seven.
0: We want seven. Oh. Apparently, that's all they need in my cycle. Absolutely. So.
2: Uh, so, there are those who've compared the abolition of tampon tax as just the tip of the iceberg uh, of litigation towards other luxury items and the tax being removed from them. And by removing that tax, other people will say, well, what about this? What about that? Um, I even read that it was compared to the Jaffa Cake tax. So for anyone who doesn't know, there was a lawsuit by Jaffa Cake, by Jaffa cakes. uh, is is that McVitie's, who um, Mm -hmm. said that Jaffa Cake is a biscuit. Biscuits are not taxed as a luxury, but cakes are. And it was a whole big thing. The ultimate thing is that Jaffa Cakes go hard when they're stale, which is what cakes do. Biscuits go soft when they're stale, and therefore they get taxed as a luxury because they're a cake, because they go hard when they're stale.
4: I mean, I won't do it now, but there was so much more to it. We well, could do an yeah. entire episode. <laughs> Next time we're very drunk, I'll take you through the difference between a Jaffa cake and a biscuit.
2: But why? Why are our periods? Compared to Jaffa cakes?
4: Jaffa cakes. I don't understand. Like, how, how the two even, well, they're, they're very, very different things. I think clearly they're just two things that men don't quite understand. <laughs> and so they've decided <laughs> to, to tax So like, is it a cake or a biscuit? I don't know. I don't trust it. Let's tax it. Tampons. Is it a cake? (laughs) Is it a a biscuit? I don't know. Let's tax it.
3: But you know, there's a whole thing, right, about the the ads. Can you blame men for thinking they're a luxury product if that is all that they know of periods? Once a month, we get to have this fantastic holiday, right? It's something that we look forward to, surely. It's when we all go windsurfing.
2: I can't roller skate unless I'm on my period. And that is why (laughs) I haven't roller skated since I was 13 years old, because (laughs) it's not possible. You can only do cartwheels
3: when you're on your period. Everyone knows that. Cartwheels on the beach. This is why men get so freaked out because they're
0: expecting blue blood, you know, (laughs) because apparently that's what our blood looks like. If you're going to believe the TV.
2: So, you know, so we'll we'll get to it in just a second, uh, Anne-Marie, but obviously in, 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 period or yeah period adverts the blood in inverted commas is blue there's no period blood i will explain about that shortly Uh,
3: i i just wanted to add one thing about the taxing of products all around the world when i was um 17 i remember being outraged about the fact that they were taxed in, in australia of course and i proposed to my friends and i still think if if this if we had done this around the world it wouldn't have taken one month And then we would have seen the the tax abolished which is that if every woman in the country had gone without any form of period uh what's the word i want like i don't want to use sanitary i hate using that word because it implies that it's dirty but you know uh period products if we had all not used pads or tampons or moon cups or anything when we had our period just for one month and every woman in the nation did that pretty sure they suddenly would have you know and and if their cream if their cream couches got ruined <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, you know, was i remember saying to my friends let's let's go to canberra which is where you know the federal parliament sits uh, and let's go d- and visit them when we have our periods and you know sit in their chairs and that sort of thing so hmrc
2: <laughs> hmrc estimated that the revenue lost from the abolition of the tampon tax was 47 million pounds over a five-year period and people said well that's the amount of money that women save on average is so small that that's not worth it. No, no it is because it's
0: like ah, building on what you're talking about as well is like the whole time you can commercialize something that we have no control over, that's what the issue is here. And the um I did a bit of research into the global feminine wipes market, which just pisses me off more than anything in the idea that they're pushing the fact. As M keeps saying, you know, it's not unhygienic. And the fact you keep saying sanitary products, making us feel unclean and that we have to use wipes to smell like vanilla cheesecake down there. It's bollocks. And this market has now been valued at $1.31 billion in 2019. And it's expected to grow a compound annual growth rate of 5.8% between 2020 and 2027. And the fact that these products aren't needed But is of that value suggests that there absolutely is a need to address the the profit around this, the tax around it, the fact that you're pushing these products on women who are experiencing something. And it's men.
2: It's men saying that our vaginas should smell like ice cream. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, or whatever else, or Gwenna Paltrow. Paltrow. She's also, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But also, you know, was really, I, I think, really frightening is in 2021. Um, Vagisil is that the name of the company? Vagisil? Um, They manufacture medical, medically unnecessary over-the-counter creams and wipes for the vulva, um, and they released a whole new line of products specifically marketed towards teenagers. And I think that's so dangerous because at that time again, you're getting a lot of information in dribs and drabs you know from friends perhaps a little bit from tv if you're talking to your parents maybe from school and all of a sudden you go into boots and you know there's a whole aisle dedicated to products that you're being brainwashed to believe that your body needs um and from such a young age as well and they're allowed to do it and you know there's no scientific or medical reason for using any of the products that they sell and yet they are part of this 1.31 billion dollar industry um, specifically designed to make women feel insecure about their body, and something that's so incredibly natural. And
2: of course, on top of the standard tax and those unnecessary things that we're being sort of peddled, there's the pink tax as well. So anything that is pink or aimed at women is already more expensive. Um yep. and so you know, some of these wipes are essentially baby wipes, but because yep. it's aimed at women, it's more expensive. Um, Feminax, is a painkiller specifically for uh period pain it's basically just paracetamol and ibuprofen oh i think it now does have co- there's one that has codeine in it but it is just it's just a standard painkiller but it's so much more expensive than buying yeah. own brands paracetamol and ibuprofen um and as you said it's all we're all told that we need this stuff um and uh yeah, and especially when it comes to like, as you said, teenagers who are feeling uncomfortable. There's all lots of stuff around like a, around smell and then they're kind of uh uh using that against using that against us.
0: Yeah, they're stigmatizing something. This is why it's such a taboo topic still, and it's why bizarrely at the end of lockdown I was thinking of writing a post about all the things that I'd missed or the things that um I I had enjoyed the absence of for two years and one of the things was hiding tampons up my sleeve or my shoe or my bra or my pants or whatever like whole like hole i could fit a tampon into so i could walk through my office to get
2: to the toilet without having to have a tampon in my hand so this is a it's an interesting interesting thing you raise because of course tampax uh did create a uh, an advert and and uh, a product that was specifically designed to look like a sweet
4: Fucking sugar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a it
2: was a school class, and a girl had asked another girl for a tampon, and she handed it across, and the teacher says, "I hope you've got enough for everyone." Um, and it's this whole thing around periods being taboo and therefore having to hide them. Um, and yeah. uh, and it moves us on to adverts in a second, but I mean, we shouldn't be having to hide them. Like, it's so normal and you shouldn't you shouldn't have to shove it i mean don't you don't need to be waving it around in the air like but we don't have to hide it it's just silly really really silly yeah. um and because this is that like, every time you go to the loo you have to take your whole handbag with you it's just like it was such a ridiculous thing that
0: like all these women go we have to go to the toilet now and suddenly all the bags go with them and it's just like surely that's the most obvious thing in the world uh, you, do you know what I mean like you're trying to be subtle but actually you kind of give it the game away and um yeah, I don't know. At like halfway through lockdown, I'm, like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never. I'm not hiding my tampon. I'm not sticking it in my shoe. I'm just gonna go to the toilet like a normal human being because this is just part of my. This is part of my cycle, right?
4: Why not gift it
2: to someone at a hockey match? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So that moves us on nicely to adverts. Obviously, periods are nothing new and neither are ads about menstrual products, period products, sanitary products, whatever we're going to call them in this. In fact, the first printed ad dates back to the 1870s, but in no way did it actually mention periods. It sort of says, here's this product but it was all about being discreet and something about um you know things to be ashamed of so if you look back at periods we've uh, periods if you look back at period adverts that you've seen on tv even in recent years you'll probably recall women in white shorts as we mentioned dancing around and feeling fabulous there's definitely no vaginas and there's definitely no blood uh the word period was banned on tv until 1972 first time that the word period was said on TV was in I think about 1984 I think it was when Courtney Cox did an advert for Tampax and that was the first time that periods had ever been mentioned on TV.
3: I assume the word period in the context of menstruation. Yes <laughs> like yes
2: I, yes of because, course. Because Americans <laughs> use period to mean full stop
3: right because yeah, otherwise
2: yeah. you know you can imagine that that would create issues if they couldn't use the word. In the UK, the first advert to depe- depict real period blood was in Body Form's Blood Normal, which sent shockwaves through through the UK. There was also I remember there being loads of stories about it about how like shocking it is that period blood would be on TV. There was even like in I can't remember what the Um, like rules were, but there was something in some kind of film rules around... All other types of blood was kind of fine, but period blood could definitely not be shown. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, there's that blue liquid thing that has been used for such a long time. Mm. Bodyform also did a whole thing around womb stories um, and different views on different people who were talking about their experiences, talking about endometriosis, IVF, the menopause, um, all sorts of things and lots of stuff that's unspoken and unseen usually. And I think that Mm. that was a really positive thing because for such a long time, we have just been faced with secret periods and people not really talking about what what really happens and there's been a few tv programs that have kind of mentioned it in passing I think it was in let's ignore the fact that Roseanne is a terrible person but it was in Roseanne in the 90s uh, that Darlene got her period and there's this really lovely scene between her and her dad talking about it but it's pretty rare that those kind of things were on tv And the first kind of one of these things that has been held up as this amazing thing for girls is Seeing Red. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's a new Disney film. I've heard of it. Turning Red. Turning Red, not Seeing Red. Um, And it's been held up as this like really like really good coming of age film that teaches girls about periods. I have many problems with it. For instance, when she gets her period, she turns into a red panda, which somehow like others her. There's people talking about like her moods and how she needs to control her moods uh, to make sure that she can be a child, not a red panda. And that she's got a smell about her when she's a panda and various other stuff. And I just have massive issues with it. Aside from that, I think we are moving forwards on on advertising and uh, the and people talking about periods on TV. But what do you what do you all all think on this? So I haven't seen Turning
4: Red, but uh, I do have a really good mate who's got two very young children. One of them I think is six at the moment, um, and she is trying to have a conversation. So both boys, um, and she is trying to have a conversation with him about the difference between men and women and what is going to happen and just trying to educate him and she has found turning red absolutely invaluable so i can see it from a a female's point of view and saying well you're just trying to tell me what i should be doing you know or what i might be like um but i think if you're trying to broach that conversation with a young male child it might be really helpful just to say you know I don't know just to start the conversation so I, I don't think it should be perhaps perceived as overly educational but I think it allows parents to start having that discussion
2: I think that's a really good point and as you say it's a different adult an adult view of it and I I just yeah I struggled with it a lot but I can see that it'd be really helpful
0: but I also think films are really good avenue right because most of the time you're sat in a room watching it with other people so it's a way for an, a conversation to be introduced without actually if you don't necessarily know how to introduce that. Um, as a thing and there was a clip that comes to mind from 20th century women which is uh, back in 2017 uh, and it's a character called Abby in it who's played by Greta Gerwig and she turns to the men in the room and basically at the dinner table and she says if you ever want to have an adult relationship with a woman like if you ever want to have sex with a woman's vagina you need to be comfortable with the fact that the, the vagina menstruates it's just a, such a great moment.
3: I think there's quite a nice episode in Modern Family where Lily who is the daughter of uh, and Mitchell who are the gay parents um, gets her first period and you know lots of family members come over and sort of impart their wisdom and and not so wisdom um, but I think it's it's quite a nice you know how you were just talking about examples or how there's a lack of examples of where these things are discussed I think that's quite a nice episode um, that yeah that actually deals with the reality of, of you know, getting your first period and of what it means and, and all the different views on what it means um, for a woman. So I think that's all I wanted to add. Also, I just wanted to mention I love this. The, uh, Catherine Ryan has this line. And um, I, I can't actually remember quite how she gets it in. But she has this great line that she uses, she, which is real gangsters run red lights. <laughs> It's basically suggesting that you should pleasure your woman when she's on a period if you're a real man. And I just think that's fucking fantastic. So that's, that's that's something I just like to put out there. Real gangsters run red lights.
0: I mean, I've learned a lot from Catherine Ryan. So, you we know, yeah. have a lot to thank her for.
3: Um, and of course, another uh, aspect or another angle to all of this is how the fact that women have periods and and have a full cycle you know as 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 ellie has mentioned is just another way it's just it's just something else that is used to denigrate and dismiss women you know the number of times that you've heard when when a woman gets frustrated or angry or actually when she's being perfectly perfectly reasonable someone just doesn't like what she said the number of times you hear oh must be her time of the month you know, and it is such a powerful tool and you get it a bit less now, but I mean, when we were growing up, how how often was that the joke on television? You know, I mean, I remember again, a Roseanne episode that was all about her, you know, having PMS and how the family all tried to evacuate the house because she's crazy, you know, she'd be crazy. And there's a modern family episode about it, you know, where Claire and both the daughters have their period. And it is just another way of oppressing women, keeping us in our box, dismissing us, you know, hysterical women. Well, of course they're hysterical. They have these ridiculous cycles. What could you expect? Um, you know, how how could you expect otherwise? Um, and I think, Rhiannon, you've sort of mentioned that it's uh, also a justification that's been used, you know, in some pretty serious ways to discriminate against women.
2: Um, yeah, and I, as, I think I said it earlier. I don't oh, my, Did I say it earlier in the end bit? Who knows? Yes, the army definitely didn't think that women who were on their period, who potentially could have PMS, PMT, um, or be in any way hormonally different, could be trusted with a gun. And that was one. There are many reasons, but one of the reasons that women weren't allowed on the front line. Um, but we also shouldn't get away from the fact that PMS and PMT do mm. exist. But it it is thrown at us as a thing, and it definitely was at school. Yeah. I remember at school, people like boys being like, "Oh, she must be on because she's grumpy." It's like, oh, "Oh, you're a twat."
3: Yeah this this whole you know this whole thing around mood swings, and and yes, okay, maybe you know it, it does. Uh affect our emotions to a degree, but also we are adult human beings and teenage human beings. And this is something that we experience every month. And we're actually pretty fucking good at compensating for it and being self aware, I think, you know, it's really I really doubt that very often in the workplace or at home. And also, of course, because we're shamed for it, then we're even more conscious of it. It's like, oh, I'm on my period, I better be perfectly reasonable. and everything i do so no one can criticize me because you feel you feel vulnerable to that to that attack
0: so another thing that really troubles me about what you said em was this idea that women are shamed about their their periods and we we are acutely aware that this happens to us on a regular basis what our mood swings might be what our cravings might be during that month all that kind of stuff We, we are very aware of that um and we are. We do feel vulnerable to that attack because the truth is it is a tool that can be used by men and, and has been used by men to humiliate women. And a really great example of that was actually written in Margaret Atwood's um, The Testaments, which came out a few years ago. Um, and it's the the final chapter of The Handmaid's Tale um, that she wrote. And within it, there's just this, this just section where all the women from the local um towns and cities were kind of rounded up into a stadium and um they were put downstairs i can't quite remember if there were men there as well but just say there's a collection of people who were put within the stadium and they're put kind of downstairs where all the toilets are and where like you'd get your refreshments and they're left there and they're left there for long enough that women start to have their periods right because they haven't got their contraceptions with them or they haven't got kind of any pills um that they would have to to stop uh their periods from coming on um by i think it was like by day two toilet paper had run out they obviously had been pretty much kidnapped. From the local area, so none of them had any sanitary products with them, or certainly not enough to last a full cycle. Um, and so I just remember this chapter of this group of women who haven't who were basically forced to free bleed um uh, in quite unhygienic circumstances. And you know, Margaret has been quite open about this, everything she writes about is happening somewhere in the world today. So she's never made anything up, she's just brought it all together into um, into one place. Um, and I just remember that feeling of anger that it took so little from and this was the actions of men it took so little to humiliate a woman and they knew that and they abused that power and i think that's a really important thing to note here is periods absolutely can be used by the state to control women and they can do that by taxing the products that we use by denying access to the products we need um by shaming us into believing that there's something wrong with our bodies and i think that's really important
2: wish i could remember like what circumstances this was in but there was a conversation about so ellie and i both work in tech and we have many conversations about uh, the sorts of things men discuss that suddenly a woman's around and they're like oh we probably shouldn't discuss that or we say please like people say no it's not appropriate for work but also it's just not cool and they assume it's because we're a woman and we're like mm-hmm. sensitive to those things someone said but you know you guys talk about about periods it's like that's quite different to you talking about boobs or like something you know it, like this is it's not it's no. not the same thing. For me it's like if you're sitting in work and someone starts saying
4: I have a problem with my prostate I'm getting some pain in my prostate so that's the equivalent because you've got a female organ and a male organ and people are talking about pain and inconvenience and things like that when you start objectifying like that it's totally different of course. Mm. I would say
0: the most frustrating thing here as well is that we can't say, so when someone goes, Oh, it's our time of the month. Like the reason they do that is because we do have a time of the month. Right. So we can't, we can't necessarily deny what they're saying, right? So they feel they're on a higher ground because we can't contest that. Even if it wasn't actually our time of the month at that particular point, they know it happens, right? And so they feel they've got one up on us. And actually what it begins to say is, again, the frontline was a great example. They think we can't lead because we're irrational or we have like outbursts. And that goes back to what Em was talking about last week, the double bind, right? The fact that men um, historically have been associated with being rational and straightforward and logic, whereas women have been stigmatized to have unpredictable emotions and outbursts and madness. And it goes really back to our sport episode, right, where it's like, well, women's bodies are too fragile. They can't compete with this. And yet there was this woman back in um, 2015, Kieran Gandhi, who ran her first marathon free bleeding. Because she refused to, after a year of training, not run because she was on her period. And to mark the like to basically draw attention to the fact that you can run a marathon whilst
2: on your period, she chose to free bleed. And at the end of the race, she came on yeah. at the starting line, I think. And she was like, I'm not. Oh, I'm that, not, that is amazing. Like, I love that this. so much. I'm sure that's also happened. I'm
3: sure that's happened earlier in history too, like in the nineties in the Olympics. Probably. I'm sure there's some yeah. similar thing happened. Um, you know, I I remember. So, do you guys remember that TV show Sliders from the 90s? It was okay. It was a TV show where basically this guy is, is it every, um, I think it was like string theory or something, who knows, but you know, it was loosely based on something like that. It was this guy who every week he goes to a different um, uh, universe or reality or version of the world, you know, in the hope to eventually one day get home. It's kind of a bit of like, Quantum leap meets. I was just about to say, is it quantum yeah. leap kind of Stargate style? Stargate. Yeah. Is that what I was going to say, meets Stargate meets. I don't know something else. But anyway, there was one episode where the world he or the version of the world he goes to, women are on in all the positions of power, and there's just this. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't subtle, you know. It wasn't sort of necessarily uh, you know, well done show. But I just remember there was this conversation between two guys. And because he was sort of asking them, well, you know, what what the hell's going on here, basically, with all these women in charge? And these two guys were like, "Oh, oh my god, you know, we couldn't possibly ever be in leadership positions. You know, women only cycle once a month; we cycle every day." And it was just I was yeah. like that's that's fantastic. And I've actually just sort of googled, and it does say that men men do go through hormone cycles. Um, of course and they it, do. Yeah, well, and They have the same say, number of hormones as us daily. Also. Yeah, and it's you know it is a daily cycle so you know maybe we should do some more research about when men are most irrational during the day, and then we can use that to dismiss them every fucking day of their lives, not just once a month.
0: T-shirts, right? That says everything you can do, I can do. Bleeding. <laughs> I just like it's the best. Fucking oh, I've not is.
4: seen those. That's brilliant, and it's
0: it's true. We we get through the day, and as em quite rightly said, and we do it in a way that we try not to draw attention to the fact that we're on our period. So whilst it's not a secret, we certainly. Do keep it, you know, um a bit more discreet than perhaps we we need to. But why is that? And it's because we've been told for so long, and I, I think we we feel we have to prove we can do it, and to not give people a reason to say to us, "Oh, it's their time of the month." Which I think is exactly what Em said. You become a little bit more careful about how you talk or how you're perceived during that week, um so that you don't give people an excuse. But my question to you guys is, what do you say if someone says to you? Oh, it's the time of the month again. What is the perfect comeback?
2: Go fuck yourself. Fuck yourself. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to think of something new.
3: Because actually then they'll just take that as validation, won't they? Because that's what I was thinking too. But but, I mean, it is. But it is. Go fuck yourself. You know?
2: Uh, It's the same saying, no, you're just a dickhead and you're making me angry. It's not my time of the month.
3: It's my time of having to deal with this moron again. And I only have so much patience for fools like you. I
4: don't know. I, th- I think I just, I just. I mean, if it was, or if even if it wasn't, I think I'd be like, "Yeah, it is." What's your excuse for being a swat? Yeah. I like I mean, that more.
2: Ah, uh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and I love <mean>, it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes. Exactly. And on that note, I've just uh, found this article online about, and I quite like it. This doctor has coined the term ims which is irritable male syndrome <laughs> that's basically about you know that, that as we said men have a daily cycle um and that there's things that can affect their hormones that then make them cranky which i think we can all believe
4: that's the thing e- even if we do get hormonal or whatever happens we do it once a month and the other all the other 75% of the month, we are grand. Whereas whoever it is that, that's making those complaints, they're like it all the time. So what What the fuck are you up to? What? What is your excuse?
0: Yeah. Also, I mean, we've been
4: pissed off for 30 days. We just
0: happen to have a little less patience on the day that we snap. That's the difference. Like you are just a tool the rest of the time. You just happen to catch me on the very moment that actually I don't have any patience left.
4: I'm exactly. You caught me when I'm not saying. putting
0: up with it. That's it. That's
3: it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, lots of uh, people, I'm sure, think that I am. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know, sharp from time to time in the workplace, because I I do. I really lose patience. And the older I get, the more that that's the case. And if I feel that someone has dismissed or disrespected me, they will uh, get very short shrift. And I have not had my period because I was on the pill when I where I didn't get my period, and now I'm now I'm having a baby, so I haven't had my period. So you can't blame it on that. That's just who I am, and it's a response, yeah, to to your dickery, basically, as you have said.
4: Dickery is my new favorite word. <laughs> do you know though? I think this
3: dickery is something is that we word. sorry that we could actually add as a realistic, maybe maybe something that we could all do. Um, and encourage our listeners to do you know we can almost start in our workplace as a bit of a guerrilla campaign where we just post start going up about IMS <laughs> and just you know like a like a public public, uh, what's public service PD, PD, yeah public service announcement PSA <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean we we started doing lunch and learns at work I'd be like more than happy yeah. to lead a session on um, the effects the effects and what we should look out for and uh yeah i'm gonna propose it
3: to our diversity and inclusion officer tomorrow to do a session on this you know to also support men and help them with their cycles and maybe if they're more aware of their cycles the way that we are then they can manage them better (laughs) (laughs) can i can i just can i just mention too you know the reason we have periods is because our bodies are capable of creating and containing life and that's really fucking cool whether or not you ever want to do it you know, I think it's an amazing thing about being female and it's something that male bodies can't do. And part of this, you know, or part of the theory around shaming women for periods and that sort of thing goes back to jealousy of the fact that we can create life and hold it within us, you know, and that, that there's that envy around being able to do that. So that's just also, you know, let's... And this this sort of ties in with if we do a menopause episode that in some cultures when a woman goes through menopause, it's a rite of passage to becoming a wise elder in that community. And actually in those societies, women, they still experience symptoms of menopause, but they're at a much lower level because psychologically it's a positive experience, a positive rite of passage. And I wonder too with periods, for example, or birth, right? This is the other thing. There's this huge thing about not referring to to pain in birth, right? And 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 making women, you know, like pathological pain. It's that whole thing where uh you compare it to someone running a marathon, you know, and we don't pity those women and we don't try to, to take the pain away from them. We see it as something spectacular that their body's capable of doing and you know, doing that with birth. And I wonder whether there's a similar thing with periods. If we stop focusing on you know, if we stop making them shameful, and you know, mm. perhaps stop the narrative so much around the pain and the bloating and the emotions, and that you'll need to eat chocolate and cry, and we make it more a celebration of womanhood, and isn't it fucking amazing what your body is, you know, potentially capable of? Mm. Um, I wonder if also that would uh, change how we experience them. And obviously, that's not to dismiss, you know, or to to uh, belittle the fact that you know things like endometriosis and just you know, lots of women have very difficult periods. But I'm just saying if we change the societal perspective of, of what a period is and what it what it means, maybe we would.
0: I think men recognise that women can just do things that they can't. And so they try and put us down for all the other stuff that they feel they have control over. And one of those is making us feel shame around our periods. One is keeping us out of leadership because they think we're irrational or emotional. And what's really fucking terrified about it is managed to survive this long. Like we've seen the bullshit. They're very vocal about it. It's very public the bullshit. And it still seems that, you know, we hold on to something inside us because it's just been a narrative we've heard since we were Yehi. And it's about time we start, you know, removing that narrative and changing it and giving ourselves a new lens. And
2: telling Rick and everyone else who who <laughs> treats us like that to fucking do one.
0: Hashtag not all
2: ricks. <laughs> no, all Ricks. Hashtag not all Carrens, right? Not all
3: Carrens.
2: Yeah, let's quite...
3: let's get Rick to take off as the equivalent of Karen, Karen. which is so oh. horrific. Oh, yeah.
2: Um. So the I think the very very last thing I want to cover off is around uh the things that uh, that companies are starting to do, that organisations are starting to do around um period policies. So there's a few organisations that I have seen who, including my own um that has a period policy um and they also have a menopause policy and I we will probably well we definitely will cover that at a later date um but uh there are a few organizations that have policies that allow women an extra day off a month if they need it for their periods or allow a level of flexible working um, and I I personally think this is amazing it makes it uh very open for everyone it's not just targeted at at women um certainly in my organization when People are onboarded everyone gets all the policies including the period policy and the menstruation uh, the menopause policy um, I have however seen some very interesting responses on LinkedIn I had for the first time in a long time I bit and I commented back uh, to this idiot on LinkedIn who said you know well why why do you get an extra day off why can't I have an extra day off and I said well you know maybe you speak to your manager if you have a reason to have an extra day off a month you go ahead and he got into this whole thing around how you know women would take advantage of it and even if even the women who don't have periods or who don't need it would take the day off and I said I mean I personally wouldn't I would hand my day off to someone who needed more than one because also, I know what that's also, like. You know what? We get paid seventy five percent of what men do on average. So
3: <laughs> just <laughs> so consider that. Us yeah. yeah. It still doesn't <laughs> make up the diff, okay? So don't worry your, your sweet little head so much, honey. You're still you're still well out in front. Because you've got a penis and you don't have to have a period.
0: What a bullshit thing, though, because actually, if you go and have a vasectomy, you'll get some time off to make sure that you're recovering for that. And it's just the fact that ours is far more frequent. If you'd rather switch places with us and have a lifetime of periods, I'll do that tomorrow. Because actually, like, your vasectomy is something you get to choose to have most of the time. Whereas our periods are something that we don't choose to have every time.
2: And it's just, it's so, it's so infuriating that people, that anyone has that kind of reaction. I mean, I personally, as in, when I was a manager in my old role, if someone needed a day off for whatever it was, I mostly just gave it to them. Um, I rarely reported it anywhere um, and and that's because I trusted my team and I had a great team, and so I didn't need to worry about excessive sick days. But certainly, if, yeah. I I knew the women in my team that had bad periods. I knew the I knew men and women in my team who needed mental health days, and I just gave it to them because that's a decent thing to do. But to have people complaining that 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 women get maybe some women will take one extra day off. The point is is that if you don't give a woman a day off what they're then they're worried about uh on either side of of the days where it's going to be difficult for them they're probably going to be less productive because they're stressing out about it on the day they're in that they're not going to be productive anyway so what is the point in forcing someone to come in and work when when it's just going to make them overall less productive and unhappy and in pain and it's just none of it's worth it it's not the way to get productivity or or in fact um uh loyalty to the company
3: I do agree with the point which is that in terms of like when people need time off for their health mental and physical that people people don't generally take the piss just like with most things in life you know everyone's concerned about people on welfare taking advantage living on welfare sucks no one's no one's doing it to take advantage it's not some great conspiracy you know and I don't think you're going to have many women. Taking that extra day a month when they don't need it, and also I think it actually does breed a lot of loyalty and gratitude, you know. And if anything, it 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 probably improves productivity, as Rihanna said. Just like you know, someone suffers from migraines, and they know that when they have to call in with a migraine, their boss isn't going to give them shit, or not believe them, or make them you know make them feel bad. Then you're 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 grateful for the fact that you're being treated as an adult and that there's some empathy there and that just makes you even you know work work harder and and makes you want to stay in that company
4: yeah
2: so i think that's a really good place for us to end we definitely haven't covered everything there's a whole load of stuff that i think we would we'll probably come back to at later date we've definitely got menopause to cover and personal experiences and all sorts of stuff but i really hope that uh you've all learned something and and I think that I feel like the homework might be today it's another call it what it is talk about periods by saying periods and 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 be honest and don't hide your products and don't your your towels and tampons and be I think we should all be more open
3: yeah and if your local supermarket still has the term sanitary products because a lot of them in the UK started changing within the last yeah. few years right to period products, if if you're a local supermarket still uses sanitary products, have a chat to the manager or send them an email and get that changed. That's something, you know, small within your own world that that is achievable.
2: Something that can definitely be changed. The Unfairer Sex is not sponsored. So if you liked our show, please show your support by liking, subscribing and sharing on all your favorite social media platforms. We are on Twitter at The Unfairer Sex. We're on Instagram at the unfair sex podcast and you can contact us with your sorry, what did you say?s on the unfair sex at gmail.com.
0: Did you guys want to hear a funny period story of mine? Yeah. Oh my God. uh, Always. if you love it, we can tackle it on the end. But uh, if not, I, I will jig up things around. Um, so, so, so,
4: sorry, before you start that, this is like freestyle talk now, yeah? Yeah. It's okay, freestyle cool. talk. Yes, yes.
0: yes. Uh, so I um, I was bleeding and I, for whatever, I don't know how, but blood got back to my bum. And I was like, I just panicked, massively panicked that something was going on in my rectum. And um, I went downstairs and told my mum and I was like, mum, I'm definitely not on my period. 100% not on my period. It must be something to do with my bum um and so she booked me in uh, like an emergency appointment at the doctors who i was then on all fours in his surgery having my bum looked at um at which point he then went like i there's actually nothing wrong with your rectum i think you're doing okay here but you are menstruating so let's just assume here that it's your period um, <laughs> oh, and okay, everything's okay, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> so hang on so how is it that you that you were like I'm definitely because I was mysterious. like 15 I was you know
2: like oh. I was a teenager I clearly hadn't had enough of them maybe it was and really I really like, like and it had just like trickled back there I just that's, the, that's the only thing I could think it just trickled
0: back and I clearly was just like well you know I haven't had to use a satisfactory product like I'm bleeding from my
3: butt bleeding oh. from my butt which is quite scary at the time <laughs> The one, the one, that I did, uh, not that long ago, quite recently, is um, I uh, I did a wee and then I looked in the bowl and it was like pinky red color, and I was like, oh my god, I have bladder cancer, and so I called my mum and I was like, look at that, that's not right, is it? And she she took a look and she's like, we had beetroot. For
2: dinner last <laughs> I night. did that. I I've done that. I, I did it at it. work. It was the first time I've <laughs> ever eaten beetroot. Um, I was like. 23 I'd never eaten beetroot before and yeah I know what? I know and um went to the loo and came back and one of my good friends so uh with so it was Keely I said to her oh my god I think I'm bleeding and she was like what do you mean you think you're bleeding I was like my pee is bright pink um and she was like you had beetroot at lunch you idiot like <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant
3: Meanwhile, I'm just, I'm still hung up on the fact that that's the first time you had beetroot.